All right, everybody. So welcome to the show. This is the Wilson Show. So today we have a really unique guest. Uh, he is a proctologist and an anal surgeon. So his name is Dr. Evan. And guys, he has an incredible brand with some amazing content that everybody really needs to check check out. You guys can find him on Facebook and Instagram at Bedspoke Surgical and Twitter and Medium at Dr. Evan Goldstein. So Dr. Evan, you know, please go ahead and just give it a little introduction so people can get to know you. Sure. I'm Dr. Evan Goldstein. Um, I started Bespoke Surgical about uh, seven years ago, um, and now I have two offices, one in New York and one in LA, um, and it's basically focused on sexual wellness. I had seen that, you know, from a sexual perspective, people were, there was a huge disconnect from both education as well as medical and surgical expertise in the field, specifically in my community, which is the gay community. Um, and I was trying to really bridge the gap between um, the, the emotional and psychosocial component as well as the physical component. Um, and it's been a really interesting ride. A lot of what we do is also educate. So I do a lot through our Instagram and through our social mediums, uh, also through Medium. I do a lot of writing as it relates to um, all of the issues that surround our community. Um, and it's been an interesting ride over the last uh, seven to 10 years and it's continuing. It's uh, also into a brand called Future Method, which we can get to, uh, which is about products to support our community. Um, and uh, yeah, it's exciting times. Yeah, and that's, and so when I came across your website and I was checking out, you know, some of the services you were doing and I noticed a lot of you were focusing on was like the, the sexual health wellness and, you know, preventative and uh, different areas and that. And it, it was kind of really interesting. I've never really seen anybody take an approach in this type of field and how you're kind of doing it. Um, and then I kind of want to take a step back too. And, you know, what was like um, that turning point where you're like, you know what, this is what I want to do. This is what I think people really need to learn and, uh, you know, get help in. And I, I was kind of curious, you know, what was that turning point? Um, whether it was seven years ago or is even earlier than that? Yeah, you know, I came out a little bit later in life. Um, you know, for me, you know, the surgical world is a all boys world. So it was quite interesting navigating my own sexuality in the world of surgery. Um, and during that, I finally met my current partner now 14 years. Um, and when I was going through that transition. I was just so unhappy doing what I was doing. I was doing heart surgery. Um, it was grueling, a lot of death, and it was just not something that I wanted to continue. Um, and so I started to look at my own community and I said, you know, who's providing all of these so important necessary services? And I realized that, that nobody was. Um, and not to the degree that I wanted it to be. I wanted the taboo of sex to be gone uh, specifically anal sex. Um, I wanted there to be no judgment uh, as to how people are engaging. Um, and that was kind of how I was living my life, which is how do you do what you want to do? And we make sure that we are preventing issues. Or if there is an issue that develops, because that happens for a, a tremendous amount of people at some point in their lives. How do we come up with places like my office at Bespoke Surgical to fix those problems and then prevent them from happening again? Um, you know, when you look at traditional medicine, it was always a referral-based practice. So 
you go to, let's say your primary care physician and say, oh, you know, my butt hurts or I have an itch or a rash or I can't engage, blah, blah, blah. And then that person would then say, oh, you know what? You should go see Dr. Evan and take it from there. But I did a study very early on in my career and it showed that even gay providers, 92% do not talk about sex. Um, and that to me showed that the business model of traditional medicine and surgery was not going to be valid um, for what I wanted to do. And, and the only way was to go direct. Um, and through that direct action was how do we, yes, I want to help people. And yes, I need to do surgery in order to make a living, et cetera. But the goal was wider than that to say, how do we just create education? And I think because there were this taboo and because there's all this judgment, it was trying to figure out a way to create narratives where it breaks that down just on the discussion points and then it could filter in and it's also topics that people don't necessarily talk about so how do we do it in a really innovative cool way that people are like oh god that does happen to me and oh you know it's interesting i am a top and i would love to be a bottom there's a disconnect between what i am and and i didn't know that there are services to to provide to help people create that connection yeah, 92%. That's that's quite a lot, especially in an area like that. Because I noticed on your website, and this is where I, I learned a lot, and I thought it was incredible. So on your website, you have a thing called campaigns. And mm -hmm. it looks like you kind of broke down like a lot of articles that you posted. And one of the things that really sucked out, I was checking out the educational thing, and it was about the sexual ed um, course with the um, LGBT, sexual education. Um, and it brought up, you brought up one thing that was really surprising me is that like 62 per, 62% of respondents said that they never really covered um, the LGBT, which if anybody doesn't know what that stands for, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe it stands for lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. And about, uh, you know, same sex uh, education. And I thought that was kind of, I guess, um, it's a larger number than I was expecting and at least in the educational field with the, like, you know, how today is and people are more open. And uh, I just thought that was kind of surprising. And I was uh, hoping maybe you can help kind of shed some light on like why that might be like, there's this huge gap in that. I think, you know, first of all, people don't want to talk about sex in general, let alone anything that's not conventional. Right. right. So when you look at, you know, LGBT specific, uh, you know, sexual activity, uh, people aren't even talking about, the, the nomenclature, let alone like, you know, anything penetrative. <laughs> so <laughs> I think, I think it becomes, um, you know, also it's a tricky subject because um, when you look at the youth and you look at where sexual education is going, it's going into high schools um, and there's still parental guidance. There's still a lot of church and state components that limit what people are potentially talking about. And that was why I had chosen a pivot to say, look, you know, even great foundations of education don't want to talk dirty. Um, and, you know, and, and it goes back to the same thing. If you look at Trojan or you look at Procter and Gamble, you look at these big, big companies, um, they've never pivoted beyond condom usage. If you look at the gay community, 73% of gay men do not use condoms. And so that in and of itself says, well, for the last 40 years, we've been touting condom usage. Well, nobody's listening. Um, and so how do you now take the knowledge of communities 
um, and look at communities in a different way of saying, well, how do we create the education? How do we create products? How do we create safety? I don't want people to change their actions. Uh, their actions should be exactly what they are. It gets them off, right? right. And, and why, should, why should we, yeah, why should we change that? But what we as professionals should do is discuss risk and make sure that inherent risk is completely on the table. And then everybody obviously makes appropriate decisions. And it's not only discussing risk, it's how do you mitigate it? How do we bring that risk down? And that was what spearheaded me to creating a company called Future Method. And Future Method's complete understanding of that is what was the impetus of starting that community, you know, that project, which is how do we look at communities in a really, really different way? How do we understand those communities? And then how do we create products to support the communities that will mitigate and bring down that risk as, as much as possible? Yeah, because I, I, I see with like a lot of your, uh, your studies you've done and some of your blog posts and just even the atmosphere of, uh, you know, kind of how you outlay things on your website that you, you do a lot of education. And I know education can be so important because like we are kind of talking about, it's not the easiest thing to talk about. I, fortunately, it was never really a huge issue for me or me to talk to my parents about it or whatever. It, so it was kind of easy for me to have a good understanding and it was comfortable for me, but I can, you know, I can understand how there's this, you know, huge gap and it's quite difficult. And I know I, I really, that's why I really like what you're doing is because you're taking a new approach about and making it a great way to really help educate people and make sure people are healthy, you know, and uh, you know, so they can have a little bit better life. Cause I noticed you really focus a lot on the prevention and the health side. And I thought that was kind of really, you know, a better side of practicing than working on just on the sick and basically leaving them from there and out. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, I think, you know, the, the sexual piece for me was, you know, people are always like, Evan, you work on an asshole all day. And I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah I know, I know, I know. But at the <laughs> right. end of the day, but at the end of the day, it is so crucial for life's functionality. And that little, you know, my 15, 20 minute operation changes people's worlds um and especially in the anal community like if it's just like anything I, i'm always at dinner parties and my partner's always like please don't tell anybody what you do because it's gonna spark off like 50 million conversations and everyone's gonna <laughs> be like talking about their ass which always happens um, right. because everybody because everybody does have <laughs> have issues but with that being said i think the key component was just getting people to converse and feel comfortable. Um, and then, you know, most people go to Google nowadays and, and they're, they're really just searching for answers through that media. And it's how do we now put the appropriate information so people can access it. And then at least if they know that there are, you know, clinics like ours are now able to streamline to figure out how people potentially can get help or, or be preventative. And I think one of the limiting factors I always see is that people feel as if you have, you know, if you have more followers, you have more credibility. Um, and when you look at YouTube and you look at social and you look at all that, uh, you know, it, it may not necessarily be credible sources that are producing really great content and, and, and people are looking at, they're following that. And the same thing with porn, you know, I work very closely now with a lot of really great people in, in the porn industry because people look at to them um, for their education. And we want to make sure that all of that 
is part and parcel to being appropriate and correct and safe. Yeah, and I think that's a really good thing because I, I, I like talking to like a lot of medical professionals and typically the ones that at least come on that are more willing to talk about what they do and how they feel about their industry and, uh, and things of that nature. I, every single one of them talks about the importance of education and prevention uh, because obviously people are going to have issues and things might be out of control and that's why you're there to really help them out. But I, I love how you kind of took the approach of like, you know, how can I make this comfortable? How can I do, how can I teach people to make sure that they can prevent all these other issues? And I thought that was really great. Um, and, it, and that kind of wanted, I, one thing, cause you obviously you work on asses all day. <laughs> I wanted to know, you know, what's, I, what's like some of the common things you really see that uh, people normally come in all the time. Cause I, I thought it might be a good idea that if they at least know what's, um, you know, something you commonly work on, maybe there's a way to prevent it. Yeah, so one of the major ones I deal with is what's called anal fissures, which is a tear. Yeah. Um, you know, the ass itself is super, super sensitive. And sometimes just from shitting, uh, you can get tearing and irritation. Um, and now, obviously, think about on a sexual perspective, um, it can quite easily get torn and injured. So a lot of what I do is, you know, that itself. Some of the symptoms that people present with is pain or bleeding or they're not able to have sex and it kind of takes them off their, their game, right? right. Um, also the components of aesthetics, you know, just like vaginal rejuvenation or facial reconstruction, the anal world is super, super important from an aesthetics perspective. So sometimes people develop hemorrhoids or skin tags or things that are gonna kind of augment their emotional and mental connectivity with the ass. Um, and, and it takes people off the game, right? I mean, if people are sexually uh, playing and there's things that are there or you don't feel sexy enough, um, it limits you um, and it really impacts your life. It sometimes even takes you off of the game that you wanna be. Um, and with that being said, um, th that's kind of the bread and butter. A lot of it also is like people that are emotionally and psychosocially want to engage anally, but mm -hmm. they're having too much pain. Um, I see a lot of bodybuilders or weightlifters or people that come to me where it's just too tight um, or it just, you know, you just don't know how to actually relax, um, right. and which is very, very common. A lot of people with the stress of work and sitting for so long, all of the pressure um, kind of can go anally and sometimes even erectile dysfunction um, and those issues can happen just from from that perspective. So I do a lot of work with Botox and physical therapy, sometimes dilating surgically um, and really allowing people to get to where they want to go. And that's bridging the gap between where they are emotionally and where they are physically. Okay. That's kind of incredible. And I think I, I thought, I think I saw, cause you've kind of um, on your website as well, you point out um, a lot of the causes and things on H and I, and basically, if I correct me if I'm wrong, from what I was reading too, a lot of this can be really helped out and, uh, you know, kind of prevented from practicing and doing things solely and gently. I think you even give a couple of examples uh, through words, basically, and, you know, how you can maybe prep and prevent some of this stuff along with like a good diet. And I didn't even realize that diet too was a really good way to kind of like prevent uh, fissures and things of that nature. I, I, I thought that was kind of surprising. I didn't know that was something that, uh, could that be a big beneficial? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Western diet sucks. Um, and 
the reality is, is that, uh, you know, we're always on the go and we're always eating and sometimes not always the most appropriate. Um, right. And and because we're a lot of sedentary people, everybody's not uh, running around chasing animals all day long. Um, we're, we're sitting and kind of really being sedentary and that in and of itself creates GI issues. So, yeah, I mean, I think one of the main things is fiber supplementation, I think is super, super key. We work with a company um, that's called Pure for Men. Uh, that's just really a great mixture that allows us to just kind of regulate. Um, I usually tell people to take one to two pills at night before you go to bed with a nice tall glass of water. And then it allows for things to work while you're sleeping so that when you wake up, you're able to evacuate and defecate and do what you need to do. I think that a lot of people are doing that also because they want to be cleaner, just so that from a bottoming perspective and a sex perspective, that they're really ready to go where they need to be. Right. Um, one of the things is, you know, nobody teaches that you can't go from some from nothing to something huge, right? The right. thought process of like, hey, okay, great, tonight just stick it in me and it's going to be all great. It doesn't work <laughs> like that. Yeah. Um, you, you know, you're setting yourself up for major, major injury. Um, and it's no different than a teenager having her first, you know, vaginal intercourse. You know, it's, it's tight. You don't know what's going on. You, you don't know how to kind of navigate it. So we work a lot with people to educate on using toys and butt plugs and kind of stretching and slowly dilating and really getting to learn your body of how do you relax? How do you tense? How do you kind of learn to accommodate? Because it's actually a completely different skill set. Um, and it takes time. You know, my protocol is usually about four to six weeks of people really trying to learn their bodies. And during that time, getting a full evaluation by me and my physical therapist, just to make sure that we're not missing something functional, like we said before, hemorrhoids or tags um, or fissures or things that may potentially limit you. Um, but I think trying to preface all of that, I, mean, I even think in the straight world, you know, think about 99.9% .9 of the day, our ass is completely contracted. Um, and that's tension in and of itself. And I talk all the time about like, you know, anybody that has an asshole should have a butt plug in their shower. And once or twice a week, just slowly opening it up, learning to relax allows you for better shitting. And then who knows, you know, especially in the males, the prostate stimulation is so good. Even in the straight world, plenty of people, once they get into that, they're like super excited and, and their sexual lives completely different for the really? better. Okay. Cause so for myself, I'm straight as well. And then actually this next question I'm going to ask you is actually coming from my girlfriend. So I'm going to have to give her some credit. So I was telling her how excited I was to have you on and everything, but uh, I will have, I, you know what, I'll take your word and your professional advice. I will try it out. And I know she's going to be kind of freaked out by it. Oh, probably. But <laughs> I'll have to show her this clip here where you're talking about the reason why. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think, you know, one of the things when you look at breaking the taboo and breaking the judgment is that, you know, anything up the ass, you must be gay. Um, and that's completely false. There's so much stimulation in a positive way that can occur anally. Um, and, you know, the reality is when you think of prostate, you're never actually manipulating the prostate without doing anal play. Yes, you're able to get off and ejaculate, but once you start to kind of get into that, you realize that there's so many ways that sexual exploration could be. And I think that that's where the taboo and the, the, the stigma still lies 
with any different type of what, what would be conventional play. Right. Um, but with that being said, um, you know, just using a small toy and what I'll do is I'll have my staff send you uh, my protocol. So you okay. can see like how we do it. And it has a link of the specific toys that, that you would do. And, and look, you know, I may not take things up my ass, but, but, you know, in the shower, I'm using a toy periodically just to give good relaxation. It just allows for things to get better. And the reality is your orgasms become just that much more heightened. And then you realize why people want anal play, whether it's straight, gay, women, blah, blah, blah. It, it just winds up being a completely different stimulatory response that unless you do it, you don't realize how powerful it is. Awesome. Yeah, I would definitely appreciate that. And would that even be something I could share on the podcast as well? Is, is it like a public link or is it each individual? I'm not sure if that's something I can share that if people want to check that out, they can. Totally. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm more than happy to, uh, you know, and a lot of it is on our website and kind of links through of, of how we do that. But I think, you know, it also just helps because one of the things I see a lot is with weightlifting, you know, a lot of people are doing squats and kettlebells and, and they're really building not only the gluteal region, right. um, obviously they want to make their ass look bigger and better and all that and stronger. But what happens is as a consequence, your pelvic floor, <coughs> excuse me, is becoming so tight. And when it becomes so tight, you're now having issues associated with some erectile dysfunction or anal issues from hemorrhoids and, and uh, defecating problems. And then obviously it translates into uh, the anal sex world that it could limit you causing pain. You know, it's so hard to isolate your glutes from your asshole. In theory, when you're doing a squat, you would contract your glutes, but relax the pelvic floor. Not easy to do. You can train yourself to do that. Um, and that's what we work on is trying to figure out where you are, where you want to go and, and what techniques we can do to make it as optimal as possible. Yeah, I never even knew that is a possibility to even I guess focus your workouts like that that's kind of incredible that's definitely something I know so yeah and let me kind of ask you this as well so this is my question for my girlfriend here because sure. obviously with your field of work it's extremely unique and you have some incredible information so one thing she really wanted to know is so like in your field of work how do you how do you guys normally market yourself to kind of bring in people and like let people know hey here's what I do and how like how people find you based on like what they're searching or needing help with. It was something I, I was kind of really intrigued with because I tried doing some research and looking for like, I guess, how, like how many people in your type of field or industry of work there really is. I couldn't find hardly any, any information at all. Yeah. I mean, I think the reality is that nobody's doing what I'm doing. Um, I wish there was because people are flying all over the world and, and coming here and I, I feel grateful and so honored that I'm able to take care of everybody, but it, it winds up being a pretty, a pretty large task to take care right. of the world. Um, you know, I think it's difficult because if you look at, you know, do I think you need to be gay to provide gay care? I think that no, you can be an ally and be super, super supportive and understanding. Um, I just think that a lot of people obviously like to go to kind of like-minded and individuals that, you know, subscribe to the same practices that they do. Um, mm -hmm. And so if you think of the field of surgery in and of itself, let alone someone being gay or part of, the, of, a, of one community, let alone wanting to go into anal surgery or some sexual wellness, it's just very few and far between. I think as people are 
finally coming out and coming to terms with their sexuality and programs are being developed um, that really hit what, what I think is an appropriate uh, point from an educational perspective, I think that over time we'll see more and more. The key for me was that study that we spoke about earlier, which was 92% of even gay providers may not necessarily talk about sex. That made me pivot to say, okay, if I'm going to go direct, I now need a, a publicist, I need PR, um, I need management team, I need SEO, and I need certain ways of figuring out how to navigate so that my messaging comes across and hits home um, for everybody in terms of how they're searching. And that's been a process, you know, it's three to five years of us really working diligently with great teams. I have a great PR team called MML and Merritt and her team work really, really endlessly and tirelessly on trying to break down the stereotypes, especially on a media perspective. You know, they're, they're willing to talk about some elements of sex. It's mm -hmm. hard to talk about anal. It's hard for them to talk about gay sex. Um, everybody still is being sponsored. So a lot of what people is, you know, the pay for play and sponsorship stuff really still gets put into the bucket of, well, what can we talk about? Mm -hmm. So breaking down all of those barriers um, has been time consuming. Um, and I have a full staff and a full team that's just dedicated on making sure that the narrative is exactly how we want it to be, making sure that all the social channels provide everybody with as much information, knowing that as they're clicking through, obviously it's going to click back to our clinic, both here right. in LA, um, and then allow them to navigate bespoke surgical, but then also allow them to then say, hey, you know what, I need help and these are the people and then wherever it is in the world, I'm gonna go see that, you know, that person or see me simply because we feel like you have the expertise in that field. So it has been a, a, a definite unconventional way to approach medicine and surgery, but it has been, you know, amazingly successful and, and super glad that I'm able to provide the care for everybody that needs it. Yeah, it definitely sounds like you guys are really taking on a full battle trying to break down all these barriers. And, you know, kind of like when you're pointing it out, I, for me, like, because this is kind of new, I've never really met anybody like yourself that's uh, doing something like this. So a lot of it's quite unfamiliar with me. And obviously a lot of that when you're kind of talking about, you know, breaking through all these mediums and getting through all the stereotypes and um, kind of everything like that, I can see how that can be super difficult and why it's kind of time consuming. But also at the same time, I can see how it's so necessary. Like, obviously when I try, because I tried doing a lot of research and trying to find more people like you and I couldn't find anybody. So obviously I'm thinking, okay, so either there's not much information about this or you're one of the very few. <laughs> yeah, 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 you know, we, we've been really pioneering it uh, from the beginning, you know, to try and say, how do we talk differently? How do we think differently? Because clearly all the other approaches were not working to where we wanted it to be. Um, and, and it's been, you know, really, really rewarding in seeing what works, what doesn't, why doesn't it work? How do we pivot and change that to make sure that people have access to everything that they want to? Um, and why shouldn't they? Yeah, absolutely. And because I, one thing I was kind of curious about as well, because you have an office in uh, California and I'm assuming your main office is in uh, New York, right? 
Yep, yeah. Main office in New York. I'm in LA about uh, one week a month. Okay. I'm there um, next week is my my week there, and you know, it's it was more to break up the hemispheres of the world, um, simply because I get a lot of people that come to me from Asia and overseas, also Australia, Hawaii, and so it was more of how do we make it a little bit more convenient, um, and also how do I get away from my family for three to five days to, to, uh, to get a break. Um, and so it was kind of dual purposed um, in how do we make California work? Um, and it's been uh, super, super great. We, I mean, the, the staff there is awesome, able to provide exactly the care that we want to make sure that people have access. Um, and uh, now it's just a matter of using that PR push to make sure that people have access to the care that they deserve. Yeah, that's perfect. Because I was actually the you kind of answered my question because I was trying to figure out you know why do you have one in New York and one in California because they're very different, literally across the country. And I was like, well, why does he have it like that? I didn't know if it was maybe taxes, convenience, whatever. Yeah, it was more the weather, and I'm a big Porsche driver, so it's like uh, you know I love uh, being able to uh, hit the 101 and kind of do your thing. All right. Um, so, so the goal for me was. Uh, whether it was selfish or not, it was to have kind of a bi-coastal life, especially during the winters of New York and and uh, have my kids experience, uh, you know, both sides of the country. And, and then at that time, provide the care that I think uh, was so uh, rightly deserved for everybody. Yeah, no, absolutely. You probably like Miami, Florida, because they do a lot of Porsches down there, too. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I lived in Florida for a while. I'm actually from Michigan, so I get the I'm I'm surrounded by almost a foot of snow right now. So yeah, I I, um, I studied my undergrad in Madison, Wisconsin. So uh, so I, oh, yeah, I you're get, right around I, the corner. I get though. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. And I did see you have uh, twin boys. Is that right? Yeah, they're going to be eight on Friday. Identical twin boys. It's crazy. Yeah, because yeah, I know with um, – I haven't had the chance quite yet to talk to a lot of medical professionals, at least in the surgeon area, but I know a lot of times they're working massive hours, and I was trying to figure out, you know, what it, is it quite difficult to balance, you know, work and family? You know, I think it, one thing is to have a partner that is, uh, you know, thankfully able to be there um, for all the kind of daily uh, school and education and after school and really making sure that it's a seamless world. Um, yeah. What's been what's been really great for Andy and I is, you know, because we really took this on to create, right? We had a surrogate mother um, and we, we really put in the time and effort to make this happen. Um, and thankfully, because of the business, that we're able to really have him as a consultant uh, for his job, but be there to provide and do what we need to. Um, but also, because it's same-day surgery, because it's controlled, um, and it's really non-emergent, I'm also able to create um, a really nice live, you know, life-work balance that I think is appropriate. I'm doing about 12-hour days. You know, I do take my one of my sons, Sebastian, to school every morning. Um, so I'll drop him off in the morning and then I'll head to the office around uh, 8.15. Um, and then by the time I get home and finish work and do what I need to do, I also do, you know, I, mand I, I work out every day uh, from 5 o'clock to 6 o'clock. Um, and yes, I could go home and be home sooner, but it's super important for me from a mental health and physical perspective to kind of keep myself. So, so there's certain things that I think 
now that I'm 43 that you evaluate and trying to figure out how do you balance all of those things to make each of relationship and each endeavor that you do as successful as you can. I, I'm one of the kids that's this work hard, play hard type of guy where oh, I want to enjoy, I want to enjoy life. I'm not going, uh, I'm not going down unless I uh, do everything that I want all the time. Um, and it becomes infectious because after a while, you know, you surround yourself with people that have the same ideals of how do we work really hard, make as much money as we want to make that satisfies the life that we want to live. Yeah, I, <laughs> I can 100% respect that for sure. I'm kind of the same way. Uh, so first of all, anybody that's living in the audio por uh, portion, so he just said you're 43 and you look like you're probably about high 25. So first oh, of all, that's amazing. incredible. <laughs> you're Looking amazing. Good. Thank you so much. I don't feel it. My back fucking hurts. I'm like, uh, you know, every day is something else. I'm like, uh, but, uh, but I appreciate it. Thank you. No, that's awesome. So for myself, I'm 24. So I'm kind of a little young here. But uh, so you talked about, you know, you, you make sure that you're always working out. So I, in my past, I was a huge fitness guy. Now, since I've, I've, I have a separate company that I work with full time and I also help out a couple of my buddies that have some startups. So I'm super busy and I've taken fitness out of the way and it's affected me greatly. I went from being extremely healthy to now I put on a ton of weight. I'm not feeling as good. I wish I could turn my camera on so you can maybe see a little bit more, but I put on some weight. And literally yesterday, I've taken the initiative of eating better and starting working out. And I've already started feeling some change. But I know because uh, I see you even spoke about the importance of being healthily active. Um, and you even put on some point that you work with some bodybuilders. And I didn't even know that <laughs> um, you know working out, lifting weights, and pushing yourself could have such a huge effect as well on like uh, you know your digestive system. A hundred percent. I mean, I think, you know, in the beginning you go for big weights, you want to get big and, and continue that. And then as you start kind of realizing uh, your age and kind of where you want to be, I think a lot of it is just more mind body um, and connecting that, you know, usually I do about uh, three days a week, I'll do more weight training. Um, and then the others, I'll do more of Pilates and stretching and really kind of really honing in on that perspective. And then all through the mix, I do um, some cardio. Um, you know, I mean, again, I, I think it's a, it's a balance. You know, I realized that uh, I need to do an hour walk um, outside a lot of times through Central Park. Um, and just that time away um, and just knowing that you're kind of really building obviously your heart and your muscles and all of that. But the mind for me, especially as an entrepreneur and uh, you know, someone involved all the time, every day um, engaging with their clients and, and businesses, um, you need that time. And that was the same impetus for Los Angeles as well. It was like, how do you kind of get your alone time and how do you keep that no matter how busy you are? Because at the end of the day, if you and I could work a bazillion hours, you can keep working. It never ends. It doesn't stop. So what needs to happen is you have to kind of put breaks on and put parameters on because if not, you're just going to get so burnt out and just get so angry at the world. And, and, and for what, you know, you're, the monetary is secondary. It's more of how do you kind of live the life you want the way you want. Absolutely. And see, now you're, <laughs> you're preaching it, which is, the way it should be. And actually it's funny because I literally, um, 
uh, with my other company here, I'm taking on a health consultant and we actually kind of partnering up and she's going to help me basically improve my life and work on my work, work and life balance. Cause at the moment it's been kind of out of control. I've been like basically working myself without, you know, little breaks and not taking the time for myself. And it wasn't until uh, literally maybe a couple of weeks ago, I was like, you know what? I need to prioritize myself a little bit more because now I'm getting to the point where it's affecting my, my work, it's affecting my life, it's affecting my relationship. And that's a big issue for me because I'm like, if I want to expect to grow and help people, how can I do that if I can't help myself? You know what I mean? Right. No, 100%. 100%. That's awesome. So um, I know we're kind of running out of time here, but I guess the one thing I want to ask you is, you know, for people listening, you know, what's one thing you think is probably the most important thing for people to understand about, you know, their sexual awareness or their sexual health? You know, what's something that if they could take one thing from this podcast that, that are listening, you know, what's one thing you would need to tell them? I think it's a great question. I think, you know, anything is possible. Um, and one of the things that we try to communicate to people is besides the stigma, the taboo is I, I think that, you know, being able to own who you are and what you are and from a sexual perspective, what gets you off and having appropriate discussions first with yourself to make sure that those are aligned. Um, and if they're not aligned to know that there are professionals that are out there, including us at Bespoke Surgical, that are trying to figure out ways that we can align that and just make life that much better. It affects not only you, and just like you said, on exercise and health and how it's affecting you and your work life, but also significant others, partners. Life is super, super complicated. Um, and the key component is to make sure that you surround yourself with people that understand that, that also are able to provide support for that, and then res you know, resolve any issues um, that come about because of that. Um, you know, sexual awareness um, and sexual education is paramount to everything that we're trying to do. Um, and I think the reality is, is that we, we have done a really shitty job, pun intended, um, a real shitty job at, at really breaking down these barriers earlier. Um, and I hope that we're on this kind of revolution of prioritizing uh, what we think is important and really hoping that people have the outlets um, available to them wherever they are. And, and we hope that we're providing that. Yeah. And I, hopefully everyone that's listening, I hope you take that to heart because that's really the truth. And that's definitely something important to kind of keep in mind. Cause I know with today, everything's fast. Everybody wants things done and it's important to just kind of be self-aware and take a moment to look at yourself and make sure that you're doing the right thing. And you know, you're not trying to, <laughs> ruin anybody, ruin your work or ruin your relationships because that stuff is important. A hundred percent. And I think, you know, with us following us on Instagram, uh, Bespoke Surgical, also the product-centered educational center called Future Method on Instagram. It's the Future Method. Uh, we do a lot with Medium um, and Dr. D.R. Evan Goldstein on Medium that I think is awesome work of um, talking about client stories what they're coming in for, what some of the issues, and then 
not and a lot of them are fun and i try to put a lot of funny uh vignette, vignettes in there to make people interested and then a discussion on kind of resolving the issue and how we approach it um a lot of this is just educating um and understanding that that people have alternative worlds sexually um and we should honor that and how do we now provide support to make sure we we risk modify anything that people are doing and and educate people and so the more people follow the more they engage the more we're able to really build amazing content um and then hopefully reach everybody in the world yeah i i and i I absolutely love that vision and I know you guys can do it because you've already accomplished a so an incredible amount and I'll make sure to add all those links down below as well. So if anybody wants to check them out, I'll make sure to do so. Awesome. Well, I appreciate the, uh, the time and uh, anything you need. And I look forward to uh, hearing the stories of you sticking the butt plugs up your ass, which I think will be perfect. <laughs> I'll have to send uh, a, probably a bit of video of my reaction. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, you know, who knows, the wife and you or the girlfriend and you, she can get, uh, you know, you guys can get into it. Um, and uh, who knows, it brings in a whole different world into sex play. Absolutely. Yeah. And I am, I'm so excited. And Dr. Evan, I really appreciate you coming on here and taking the time to really kind of share some of the things you're doing and what you're about and your kind of vision here. And I'm 100% supportive of it. And if there's anything I can possibly do, please let me know. Yeah. Thank you so much and have a great uh, rest of the day. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And I'll talk All to right, you soon. Take care.